I've shared a little bit about my being a mom and trying to juggle everything I do in my life. Today, the story's going to be what I do to like the hundredth degree. Mommy! It's the mom cast. Really, mom? Mommy! Mom! You are listening. Mom cast! The mom cast. Welcome to MomCast, Stacey McKay, and I have a very special guest, Lauren Hisrick. Lauren is TV producer, screenwriter uh, extraordinaire from our area where we produce MomCast in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, but out in L.A. First of all, Lauren, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to have you here because I, I have so many questions. We try to talk to moms in all different areas of, of life, all walks of life, and see how they handle and do what they do. Do it, yeah. And so, you know, I I, I share this story um, just for some perspective. I ha- had my daughter very late in life and uh, was always told I couldn't have kids. So uh, she came along and I never for once thought I would change anything. Um, but when she was about a year old, I decided to stay home. And I was actually at the radio station I'm at now and went home and about 18 months into that which was a great experience my husband came to me one evening and said sweetheart you need to find a job (laughs) you need to get out of here this is killing you not necessarily killing me but i'm not cut out to be that person Mm -hmm. but you know as well as i do there are women that are completely cut out for that yep and that's how they excel and not taking anything away and really that's what momcast is about because moms uh, are all different there's so many different ways to do it right and as long as it works yep that's whatever works for your all family that matters. Yep. so we're going to talk about uh, a new show on netflix which is coming your show witcher mm-hmm. um, but i want to talk about you as a mom first of all because right. like i said i work in media this little tiny slice uh, i work in radio and, and do a little tiny podcast um you are uber busy I mean, in my view, uh, with what you do, uh, writer, producer, uh, shows like Daredevil, Private Practice. Um, you have been West Wing, Justice. Your resume is pretty impressive. And I'm, I'm sure it would be tough for any of us to not know something that you've done. Um, let's let's kind of pull back and start at the beginning of this. OK. How does one become <laughs> a TV producer, screenwriter, executive producer, how does that happen from a college in Ohio? Um, one starts by being really good at taking coffee orders. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> you, you don't you don't move into Los Angeles and become a, a, a big television writer. That just that happens so rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, my path is a really familiar one, which is that I uh, I interned in college on the West Wing. That's pure luck. I, I got a job at the West Wing and by job, I mean, I answered phones for free for six weeks over the summer. Um, and I really fell in love with screenwriting. And at that point, I was a creative writing major at Wittenberg University. Um, but I had planned on getting a graduate degree and being a, a professor. That was my goal. Um, and I discovered screenwriting and changed everything. Uh, so once I was back in Ohio finishing my senior year of college, I kept in touch with the production team at the West Wing and let them know that when I graduated, I would love to move back out. Um, the show was successful. And mm-hmm. you 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 never know what's going to happen. So many shows that are wonderful come and go if they don't get the right hold on an audience. Um, and I was just really lucky that that show was what it was. Um, and it lasted for seven years. So when I moved back out to L.A., I was an assistant. Um, 
I answered phones. I proofread scripts. I got a lot of coffees and a lot of lunches. Um, I worked really hard and was really kind, I think, and people liked being around me. Um, so I moved up quickly and I went from being a, what we call a PA, which is a production assistant, it's kind of the lowest rung on the mm -hmm. ladder, to being a writer assistant, which is in the room with the other writers and sort of learning how stories are broken and listening um, and taking notes. Um, and then I was promoted to the researcher on the West Wing, which was a pretty big deal on that show because it's based on real Right. Real things. Right. Um, and then was promoted to staff writer, which is sort of the, the, the base level of writing. And from there, I mean, The Witcher is my 10th television show. So from there, I just continued moving up. And, um, you know, it is there's not a day that goes by that I am just not grateful for what I have. And it's I think a lot of people get jaded when they've been doing something. I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. And it's still just as exciting to me as day one. I really love it. Well, I can honestly say I remember all of this about you. <laughs> yes, yes. We met years and years ago. And, and full disclosure, her older, her big brother, Eric, is now my boss. Wasn't always the case. I think I started here before Eric. Yes. Um, but when you stay somewhere for a really long time and you get old, your bosses get younger. And that's that's what's <laughs> happened. So I kind of watched Eric and you kind of progress through the years, which is, is really, really cool. So I was watching you from afar. And, and of course, he always was bragging and all of those things. That's nice to um, hear. <laughs> but it's interesting that you say, I mean, that you're open about, I mean, part of it is your personality. Part of it is being willing to do things mm -hmm. and, you know, being willing to answer phones for free, being willing to go get coffee, being kind. I mean, those aren't things that you're being taught. Those aren't things that most people would tell you will get you into a business. Right. Necessarily. Right. I mean, it's one of those things that I think that there's a lot of sense of, of I have a college degree. I shouldn't be getting coffee. Yes, you should. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't be paid fairly for it and be treated fairly, but you have to start somewhere. You don't just get to come into an industry and, and be at the very top of it. Um, I guess some people have that route, but I prefer the route I had because I learned about television as I went. I learned about writing as I went. I had amazing mentors who sort of taught me the craft. And as long as I was respectful of them, um, they turned around and helped me out where they could. And it really is about um, uh, being a nice person, frankly. Um, I have a policy that I can't say on the air, um, but a, uh, a, a no mean people policy uh, when, when I hire people now. <laughs> Um, you it's probably a podcast. You're allowed to get four letter words are okay. Perfect. No, it's uh, I call it my no asshole policy. Oh yeah, you're fine. Great. Um, uh, because frankly, we work really long hours um, um, in the entertainment industry. We work sure. really hard, uh, and we're around people all day. And if you can't be respectful, if you can't do your job without screaming and yelling or berating people, then I don't want you around. And it's it's something that. I learned really um, I learned really early and I continue to sort of push with the people that work with me, which is let's if we're going to do this, if we're going to stick this out and hopefully be doing a show for years on end, let's be nice to each other. Um, and it works really well. Wow. You know, I was going to say that kind of is the it just flies in the face of what we all perceive Maybe. Yeah. People in the business might be because you hear that a lot. Oh, that person. Oh, God, they're a nightmare. You know, or, you know, you get clips in the media of somebody having a meltdown, all those kinds of things. Um, I think that what you just said, I mean, that's very refreshing because I don't think most of us 
think that that's the case. Outsiders yeah. looking in. Yeah. I mean, I've, trust me, I've had bad bosses as well. But I really go back to the West Wing is the perfect example of, you know, uh, I started there when I was 21 years old. So I knew nothing about television. And I worked for the most loving, supportive people. And um, I just want to do the same for the people who work for me now, which is help them with their careers, because I won't be doing this forever. I will continue getting older. <laughs> and it's part of my responsibility too to, to I, I say, like raise the next generation of writers, train them um, so that they can be good bosses someday too. Sure. So let's talk, because I mentioned a lot of shows that you've done. You said you're, the project you're working on now, The Witcher, is the 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about um, what we talk about on MomCast. First, let's start with a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, most people doing what you do, I would assume, are pretty driven. You've got to really focus on what you're doing. Um, when did you meet your husband, who I is also in the business? Yes. Right? Uh, we met when I was 21 years old. Oh, um, so right at uh, the beginning. Yes. Okay. So uh, uh, Mike is uh, a television producer, and he was a producer on The West Wing as well. So we met. We didn't start dating until I was about 26. Um, and then we got married when I was 31. Um, so we dated for about five years ahead of that. Um, a lot of people will tell you don't date someone in the industry um, because it's because you'll never see each other because it's so busy and everyone's busy. But the truth is, I find that that's the best way that it works for my relationship because if I say to him, uh, I've got to be up. This just happened yesterday. In fact, I uh, I was in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh visiting his family. And I had an 8 a.m. conference call on a video um, to look over locations for season two of The Witcher. And um, I was like, I, I need to be on this. And he was like, great, I'll take the kids. I'll make sure they're bathed. I'll get them dressed and get them breakfast. It is he always understands when I need to be doing something. And I understand when he needs to be doing something. When, you know, not we don't always want to answer our phones when we're out at dinner. And we try not to, but sometimes you have to. And there's sort of that mutual understanding of the importance of one another's jobs. Yeah, I would think that's huge. Yeah. Um, being in, again, a much smaller segment of that, it I find in my relationship, sometimes that's tough. I mean, yeah, because my husband has no, um, he, no experience in this at all. He, he comes from a completely different background and, and business. Mm-hmm. And so it's a struggle for us sometimes because um, it's foreign to him. Right. And you it's... Know? And, you know, it's a marriage. So there are arguments about it. I mean, I remember very, very early, uh, Mike was far, far more important um, in his job than I was in mine. I was still an assistant. (laughs) Um, And Mike was a producer and and a lot depended on him. And uh, he would, he, it was pre-iPhones. My kids have no concept what that means, but it was pre-iPhones. He had a BlackBerry (laughs) um, and it would buzz every time an email came in. And of course, it's, it's Pavlovian response, right? It would buzz on the table and he would pick it up and look at it. And... About half the time it was for work and about half the time it would be, you know, something from, I don't know, uh, from Macy's.com. Right. And we we finally, you know, we worked it out, which is like, let's take emails off off the vibration sound because it is hard to break that response. But you don't need to be checking your email every time that it's, you know, spam coming in. Um, and now I try to do the same thing. So it's you have to have those conversations about what the limits are, because as much as you say, like, oh, this is a this is a phone call I need to pick up because something's happening on set. An actor has a question, um, you know, something's something needs answered in post. You also have to have the you have to trust that you each have the self-control to say, I picked it up and that's not important. And I'm going to put that back down and not answer it right. Now. Mm-hmm. That'd be tough to do. But I get it. Uh, and how long can I ask? How long have you been married? 
uh, we have been married just, uh, we just celebrated our 10th wedding so anniversary. So it's working out. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty good. Working out for you. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> He's here. Yeah, he hasn't said no. Uh, he hasn't He's objected. Not arguing in the Speak background. Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> uh, no, that that's working for you. So let's let's talk about when kids came along because that okay two people in a very frenetic business both of you busy busy busy. How does that work? Is that a conversation? Was it an accident? What happened? <laughs> no, it was it was far from being an accident. Um. You know, uh, Mike is a little bit older than me, and uh, before we met, had never, I don't want to say didn't want kids, but had sort of been like, sure, kids, maybe, kids, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I have wanted children since I was a child. Um, so very early on, I said, I, I want kids, and he was like, great, let's do this. Um, we started trying right after we got married, and um, our son was born about a year and a half after we got married. So we we got pregnant pretty quickly, um, and I took off about six months of work um, right after Harry was born, our oldest, who's now eight. And uh, <laughs> I took off six months and then very quickly was like, okay, I've, I've done that. <laughs> it's time. Kind of like get, mine. Yeah. I, get I back to work. Sure. Yeah. You know? It's not for, it, it's not, it's, it's a difficult job. First of all. Yep. Um, I will admit that, you know, I was like a year and a half in when my husband said, you got to get out of the house. I was like, I got to get out of the house. I mean, I just wasn't, I needed both. Yes. And I think you can do both. So six months in, it was time to get back to work. What do you do? I mean, how does that work? So one of the things that was important to me is, um, there, there are two, there's sort of two different paths in terms of writing television. You can do what's called being on a staff um, which is exactly what it sounds like. You're on a staff of writers um, who is writing a show that is on the air or going on the air. Um, the other thing that you can do is called development, and that is basically coming up with new ideas for a television show and um, selling those ideas, hopefully. So the first thing that I went back to is development. The reason I chose that is because um, you have a little more flexibility on your schedule. Um, I had this crazy idea that you know people will tell you any new mom can relate to this. Like you do, you do your stuff when they're napping. No, you don't. <laughs> you no, know? you are you are lucky to wash your hair while they're napping and <laughs> maybe you know shove something cold in your mouth. Um, so. Uh, very quickly, I, I realized that we needed help. Um, and we have a full-time nanny who started with us when Harry was six months old and who still works with us, a woman named Kelsey, who is amazing and is part of our family, um, for sure. Um, but I worked from home, which was really great. So Kelsey was there, but I would go back into an office and close the door and be able to write and then also be able to come out. I was still breastfeeding Harry, so I would come out and breastfeed him or just cuddle him, hug him, smother him with kisses, mm-hmm. feed him, play with him, and then hand him back and go be able to go do my job on my own time and my own schedule. So that was a really great way to transition back into uh, the job. And in fact, I didn't go back full time to an office uh, basically with someone else setting the hours until uh, until Harry was a almost two years old, actually, about a year and a half, 18, 18, 20 months, something like that. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm ready to actually be out of the house a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Um, but that's also the same time that I got pregnant with my second son. Um, so then I was then I was juggling that, which was interesting. Well, what was interesting about it? Because I, I have one. Right. So, all right, now you're busy, you got through, you're ready to go out right. and be out of the house and you're pregnant. 
Um, let's talk about what made that so interesting for you. Well, it was interesting because um, Harry was born uh, or, or conceived naturally. Ben, my second son, is IVF. So it's a, it's oh, a yeah. very different process. <laughs> um, and uh, the very first thing anyone who's gone through IVF knows that it requires a lot of doctor's appointments, constant doctor's appointments. And um, I had just gotten this new job um, on a show called Do No Harm. And uh, I was really nervous to go tell my boss that I was trying to get pregnant. I was going through IVF because it basically meant that I wasn't going to be able to be at work three days a week for a while. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I would be missing, you know, an hour here or there because it's all it's it's very scheduled. <laughs> Anyone who's gone through it knows it's all on a schedule. Right. It's not up to you. Oh, not at all. Um, so uh, I went to him. And again, such a good lesson. He he could have said, like why am I wasting my money on you? Like I have a really like tight allotted writer's budget and you're not going to be here. And instead he hugged me and told me to rest when I needed to rest and just that I could be in charge of my own schedule. Um, I also assured him that I would get the work done and he was like, of course you will. It's fine. Um, and so it was a really loving process. Um, and it's a good reminder to anyone um, who has my job now as the boss that like it, work isn't everything. That you have to be able to work your other people's work schedules around you. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening in the background here. Well, I had mentioned your brother was my boss, uh, and yeah. Eric's here. And, to yeah. be sure this yeah. is a loving yeah. No, I like the environment, Eric. I can vouch for that. No, no, I can vouch that this is yeah. actually uh, very much so. You have um, to continue living your life. Listen, I was here. Um, they asked me where I would need to go, where they can make me a comfortable place to pump. Yep. So I could breastfeed while I was here. Yep. Uh, my dad recently passed. They gave me time. This is, it's a huge deal. It is To a huge work deal. somewhere where, you know, they understand family. I, that to me boggles my mind because again, it flies in the face of what we expect to hear. Right. If, you know, you figure, okay, you get a job in Hollywood. You say, you stand up and say, listen, I have this going on in my life. I'm going to need time. It's like you said. Again, I'm going to say I have a feeling it's because of you um, <laughs> and the way you are, because I don't know that everybody would get that same response. Right. I mean, again, I think it's just about you. You you have a choice. If you are treated badly, if you have a bad boss and you are treated badly as an employee, then when you are the boss, you have one of two directions to go. Mm -hmm. You say, well, I was treated badly, so I'm going to treat the next person badly because that's how I was treated. So, you know. Or you have a chance to, to change things. Mm -hmm. And it is, I've had more nice bosses than I've had bad bosses. And that's how I choose to do things. I also think, though, it's important. Again, it's it's a matter of trust, right? I didn't uh, start taking every afternoon off saying, oh, I have a dentist appointment now and I have a doctor appointment now. I'm really living my life, but I'm also doing my work. So that I have to show that I'm continuing to show up every day and continuing to get my work done because that's what... That's a responsibility I took on when I signed up for the job. So, you know, I think that we have to remember that we all have lives to, to live. And without those lives, work means nothing. You know, I always say that to my writers, which is if you're not if you're not out living life, then you have nothing to write about. So go True. do do <laughs> do what you want to do and then come back to me. Exactly. Now. In MomCast, I feel very strongly we don't judge any moms mm -hmm. because we're not in their shoes. We don't know. I, To me, I don't I don't have any room for that. Yeah. You know, um, I think sometimes people that are not parents will put their two cents in. And I always find that curious because I'm thinking <laughs> you you have no idea. You don't but, know. So I want to ask you, did you get 
because I'm a fan of nannies, by the way. Um, I I don't have the pleasure of having one. <laughs> if I could, I probably would have at some point done that. It would have been a bit easier. Have you ever gotten any kind of negativity comments? Do you ever feel guilty? I mean, is it? I was going to say, I I mean, we live in Los Angeles, where a lot of people are lucky enough to uh, to be able to have nannies, to be able to afford nannies. Um, I don't get judgment from other people. I have a lot of self-judgment about it. I mean, that's that's the thing that I had to get over. Right. Um, because there are times, especially, um, you know, handing off your six-month-old infant um, to someone else so you can do your job is really hard. And there would be times that um, I would get pictures back and they'd be at the zoo. And I would be like, well, why, why am I not at the zoo? Why am I not there? And and you do miss milestones. There are times where it's like, oh, he, he ate this first thing or I think he's about to start walking and you're at the office for the day. And that's really tough. Um, the thing that I come down to, because we, we have a nanny, um, we also we live in Los Angeles. Neither of us have um, either Mike nor I's family is there. My family's in Ohio and Kentucky. Mike's is all in Pennsylvania. Um, so we have quite a community that we've built up there. And we have, you know, fake aunts, we call them. You know, my kids know <laughs> a lot of people as aunts and uncles. Right. Um, and for me, what I go back to is that the more people that my children can have in their lives who love them, the better. There is no, my love is not superior. Uh, my husband's love is not superior. My kids are very clear on who their mom and dad are. But at the same time, we've given them the, the gift of other adults that love them and take care of them. And they respond to that really well. And it helps. I mean, in some ways, I'm really I'm really glad that we started a nanny so early mm -hmm. um, because now I travel a lot. My husband travels a little bit and the kids are so well adjusted to other adults being in their lives and taking care of them. Um, and they're not all fun babysitters. You know, they do have some fun babysitters, but most of the people that are in their lives, they sort of see as as parental figures, as guidance. Um, and so it's interesting because I think that, you know, uh, something that people ask me a lot is, is don't you get jealous, you know, that the kids will go to the nanny before they go to you. And again, it's like, well, no, because they're not they're not going to the nanny because they love her more. They're going to the nanny because she provides them something that I can provide them, too, which is, you know, a, a, a Band-Aid or a hug or a ice pack for their head or a snack, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's the more people that love them, the better. I like that. I I think, and that's a good answer. I think you're right. I, I have found, not only for me, but e even with Greg, our producer, as a dad, I think we as parents tend to pile on guilt before anyone else would. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's, we're the ones we have to work through. Yeah. <laughs> we have to work I, through it ourselves. When I take the boys to school now, because I've obviously, since The Witcher has started, it shot in Budapest last year, and it's shooting in London this year. So I'm I'm gone a lot. And it's interesting because whenever I go to school, um, other other moms will say to me, like, oh, we haven't seen you in a while. And, of course, I, in my head, I'm like, they're judging me. They don't, you know, like, who are you? Why are you never here? No, that's just their way of saying they miss me. They right. miss seeing me. Right. So it's they meant me. we haven't seen you in a while. Exactly. That's all they meant. That's yeah. all they meant. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and no one is questioning that my kids are well taken care of or that I love them. So it's really up to me to lay off the judgment and and sort of the, the guilt I place on myself. You do travel a lot, and, and let's let's talk a little bit about this show. Um, now, my understanding, The Witcher, coming to Netflix December 20th, mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of buzz about yes. this, obviously <laughs> based on uh, a series of, this was in the mid-'80s, yep. right? Yep, the, the books. The books, um, and also games. A lot of people might know the games. Mm -hmm. So 
I am not, I, I read through some of the stuff to prepare. I'm not familiar with that, like a lot of people might be. Um, for someone like me, describe this, because I almost felt like, is it kind of like an adult Harry Potter? Is it Game of Thrones meets, it, there are sorcerers and... There's, okay. there's a little bit of everything, okay. is what <laughs> so, you're getting at, yes. Explain. Um, it is an adult fantasy show. So okay. it is, um, I always like to say that uh, there is... There's a lot of monsters, there's a lot of magic, there's a lot of war and violence, there is sex, there's language, there's blood, there's everything. You have everything we need. Exactly. Yes, okay. However, if you strip it all away, um, and this is important because this is the reason that I'm writing the show, if you strip it all away, there are three main characters at, at the middle of it, um, Geralt, Yennefer, and and Ciri. Um, and they're basically a broken family. They're uh, three orphans who are out there in the world on their own, on on sort of the margins of society, never quite feeling like they fit in. And then they get this attitude, well, if they don't fit in, then they don't need anyone either. And what we see in the series is the three of them start to come together and realize that they do need each other, even if they don't want to. Um, and that, in fact, they're kind of destined to be together. So that's the the story of the family is really at the core of the show to me. And then you get the bells and whistles of of big fun creatures and monster fights and and romance and epic adventure. You get all of that too, um, but you really get this relationship between these three characters. And Henry Cavill. Oh yes, and you get Henry uh, Cavill. Even Great. I, even I was I supposed think he's to bring. It. I told you I was <laughs> oh, going I'm, to ask okay, about sorry. him. I'm How sorry. Dare I, took, you? I stole your thunder, McKay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just I want it known. He he said <laughs> Harry Cavill. He said that earlier. I he wanted to earlier. ask. Henry, now you do, you're <laughs> writing, fan. creating? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is your baby. Yep. How did you get Henry Cavill? <laughs> I, I would like to know um, how one gets Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry, um, Henry's pretty amazing. Um, he was a big fan of the video games. So a lot, uh, of, uh, a lot of the American audience will actually know the video games more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, the books are very popular in, in Central and Eastern Europe as well. They're a, it's a Polish series. Um, that has been translated into tons of languages. Um, so Henry first came to the franchise through the games. Uh, he's a big gamer, loves playing them, and really loved Geralt. Um, when he learned that the that Netflix was making The Witcher as a television show based on the books, he went out and read all of the books and then started calling, had his agents start calling Netflix to say, I, I want to meet with whoever this person is, whoever Lauren Schmidt Hisrick is, I want to meet with her. Um, and I had actually just gotten back from a trip to Poland, a research trip, and uh, Netflix called and said, Henry Cavill is really interested in this role. Would you sit down with him? And I said, you said no, <laughs> no <laughs> way. Um, uh, I said, sure, but I don't I don't have a job to offer him. We're not casting yet. We don't have a writer's room yet. We don't have scripts. We don't have anything. Um, and they were like, he's really excited. So I was like, okay, great. Um, so we sat down and had a meeting uh, at Netflix, which was really funny because all of the offices at Netflix in Los Angeles have glass walls uh, that you can see through. And it was really interesting how many people walked back and front, back and forth in front of that office, uh, peering in, not at me. Um, so Henry and I had a great meeting. We talked about uh, we talked about the, the the lead character Geralt for about an hour, um, and just sort of his insight into the character, what he loved about him, what he thought he could bring to the show and to the role. Um, and then I shook his hand and said, "Great, but good. I'll keep that in mind. It was really nice meeting you, but uh, but I don't have a job." And he was like, "Understood." Um, so wait, you told Henry Cavill, um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay, I just wanted to be clear on that. Okay. 
Um, cool. <laughs> so uh, what's great about Henry, um, uh, about four months passed until we spoke again. And in that four months, uh, I hired the staff of writers who would go on to write the show. Uh, we wrote the episodes. We started seeing what we would need and how Geralt was coming to life on the page, how all the characters were coming to life on the page. And we started casting. Um, and casting is a really long process. And, and I think what people don't understand is that you have to see everything and everyone to know what you want. Um, and I remember calling Henry in August to say, hey, remember me? Um, I've seen 207 other people. Uh, who are interested in being Geralt. Um, and the truth is, is that as I was writing the scripts, I couldn't really get Henry's voice out of my head. And I remember being worried that he would feel like, so I'm I'm choice 208. Right, right. Um, but instead, he very much understood that that you, you have to know what you don't want to know what you do want. And uh, we, I flew to New York and met him there. And we met for a couple of hours, actually, with the casting director and the director of the first uh, two episodes. And really uh, just talked about everything. I mean, everything from the character, the character's voice, his tone, what the episodes were about, how he would end up, how Henry, who has sort of beautiful, dark, luscious hair, would have. Yes, I know. Have, <laughs> just to describe what he looks like. Yes. Um, how his hair would be white and, and he has yellow eyes in the show and how we do that. I mean, big things, little things, everything. And uh, when he left the room that day, um, the, the four of us, the three of us who were there still uh, looked at each other and knew we'd found our guy. Um, and we had him on board by the next week. And I still have pictures of that day. I took a picture um, in, in the Netflix office in New York. It just said, you know, uh, Lauren, Sophie and Alec meeting with VIP. <laughs> and so I took a picture of that. <laughs> and that was Henry. And yeah, wow. that's how he became Geralt. So now you're this you've created this writing all of this involved in the whole thing. I yes. mean, obviously, and it's getting big buzz. We're looking forward to seeing it on Netflix. Um, do you spend how involved are you? I'm assuming. I mean, are you spending a lot of time with Henry, with the actresses, the cast? I mean, yeah, I'm really involved. Um, so uh, we I the writer's room is based in L.A. So um, it's myself and six writers and a support staff of four. And we wrote the eight episodes over about four months. Um, once those are done, we start, as I said, we started casting. We started the production process. Um, we wrapped the writer's room in mid-September. Uh, toward the middle of October, I basically moved my life to Budapest, which is where our stages were. Um, and uh, we, started, we started shooting at the end of October, and we shot through Christmas. I stayed there through Christmas. Um, so I was, about, I was away about 12 weeks. Um, my husband brought Ben and Harry over for a week over Thanksgiving, um, exactly a year ago, I suppose, um, which was great. Uh, my kids had never been out of the country before. And to be able to give them that experience mm -hmm. and to be in this beautiful place that looks nothing like Los Angeles and to talk about the history of Budapest and to talk about, you know, listening to all of the languages that they would hear and, and trying new food, um, the biggest thing. Uh, we told them, which was true, is that the restaurants um, in Europe a lot of times don't have kids' menus. <laughs> so they're used to going any place in America where you right. can get chicken fingers and <clears throat> mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, <laughs> we, you know, every parent knows this. Right. Um, and they don't do kids' menus there. They also don't do plastic cups with straws. Um, so it was it was you're going to eat what you eat, you're going to get glass glassware, <laughs> and you're going to have to be careful, and you're going to have to be big You get boys. what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Um, so 
it was really interesting to see them rise to the occasion. And it actually kind of changed the way we parented to an extent because we realized we weren't asking enough of our children. And um, just in terms of, of, you know, sitting at a table without an iPhone in their hands and eating, eating things that were new to them or at least trying them. I mean, by the way, I say that. My kids still eat chicken fingers and mac and cheese a lot. Um, but, you know, it was a really interesting growth experience for them. And uh, they ended up moving to London and living with me for five weeks over last summer when they were on school break. I was there for post-production. And again, it was a huge shift for them. They learned um, the, the underground tube system. <laughs> um, and they were, you know, living on their own with me in an apartment. And we realized that we needed to work together. So they started helping with laundry and, you know, emptying the dishwasher and all of those sort of chores. And it's great because now we're back in L.A. and uh, they're getting their first allowance now and they have to nice. do chores. So it's, nice. it's, been, um, it's been a big year of growth for them as well, I would say. You know, sure. in terms of in terms of being kids and and starting to grow up a little bit. Now your husband's in the room with us. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm just curious how that is with you, because I'm sure that happens both ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, people in LA are beautiful people. <laughs> you are both beautiful people, but when one of you is working so closely with someone like Henry Cavill. <laughs> Um, even though your husband's in the business, how does that go? I mean, is it, I mean, you'd have to ask him. I think my husband has no concerns about me and Henry Cavill. It's, you know, he doesn't look concerned. I'm going to say, he works with beautiful actors and actresses as well. I mean, listen, it is, um, what we do is, is we're professionals, (laughs) you know, it really is as simple as that. Um, Henry is a great man. Um, I am his boss. He is the lead actor on my show and, uh, you know. Uh, I also think that the entire world can can agree that Henry Cavill is attractive, my husband included. So <laughs> I think we all just sort of step back and look at him as a right. specimen. It's like, yeah, you look good <laughs> and beautiful <laughs> specimen. A beautiful okay. specimen. He's Superman. Yeah, but he is Superman. Yes. <laughs> and I am your boss. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there is that. That's yes. kind of cool. Um, the show, December 20th, mm-hmm. Netflix will watch. I, I'm all in on Netflix, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, let's talk about just the family going on. I mean, do you oh, all yeah. sit down and have a plan? Are you like the rest of us? And it's like whatever falls in, you know, you adapt at that point. Yeah, I mean, we do. Uh, we have loose plans knowing that those plans could shift at any moment. Um, because the one thing that Mike and I are not in control of is television schedules. Um so Mike also is a producer on a television show that shoots in L.A. Um, and for instance, they are uh, wrapping up his show is called Shameless on Showtime. They're wrapping up season 10 of Shameless right now. Um, and typically speaking, there would be about a six month break before season 11 of Shameless starts. And during that six month break, he would come over and visit me and and have, you know, basically use that time that you have, quote unquote, off to do all the projects in the house, for instance, or, you know, do all the stuff that you Mm -hmm. can't do when you're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Um, Instead, uh, Shameless is actually amping back up very quickly and they're starting season 11 again in February. Um, So there is no time off. And suddenly the plans that we had made had to shift again because I will be in London in February and Mike will need to be in Los Angeles in February. So, you know, the good news is we're both at places in our careers where we can talk to our our bosses or our staffs and say, hey, listen, I also need to go see my husband. I need to go see my wife. I need to see my kids. Um, and 
again, I think you create an environment and you look for people who have the same values that you do. And my kids, for instance, um, then this is probably the most important thing that happens um, on, on my day-to-day -day basis. Wherever I'm at, I talk to my kids while they eat breakfast in the morning. Um, my entire life happens via an iPhone, God bless Steve Jobs, and FaceTime, <laughs> um, because I FaceTime with my kids every single day. And we set up the iPad for them at home. They're just eating their cereal and getting their shoes tied. They don't have to. It's not like, focus, talk to mom. You know, it's like they just get to do their morning routine. I sometimes will be on... Um, the top of a mountain in Spain, <laughs> and I sure will just be, like most like of us, do. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, uh, <laughs> I will sh always show them where I'm at. Um, I will show them who I'm working with. They feel like they know everyone that I work with now um, because I'm not I'm not shy about being a mom. So you're sharing your work. day and their day, absolutely. Yeah. And it is to me, there's something really important for my kids to understand, which is that I love what they what I do. Um, I'm not doing it to put food on the table or so that they can have clothes on their backs. I don't want them to feel guilty that I'm off doing this um, just for them. I, I am doing it for them, but mostly I'm doing it because I want them to be proud of me. I'm really happy and fulfilled, and I'm a better mother mm -hmm. because I am happy and fulfilled at what I do. Um, and I think that's really working for my family. I think they get really excited, and they're, they are really proud of me as young as they are. And they talk about it at school with their friends. And, um, you know, I, I think that that is, that is the most important thing. And that will never change. So no matter what country I'm at or how things shift, we will always, I, I say we will always talk at 4.30 p.m. Um, it's <laughs> where, whatever time zone I'm in. Um, and, uh, and it's exciting. That's, that's fun for them. Well, I, I think that's, you've got a handle on this. I mean... Kind of, sort of, until whole, it falls apart. <laughs> you do. No, I think we. I, that's a good reminder for all parents. If you're happy and fulfilled in what you're doing, um, you're a better parent. Yeah. I, I do believe that. And, and I hope that's a good reminder for all of us. Thank you for giving us a little insight into your life. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, but it sounds like you're... I, I hate saying a woman has to balance everything because both men and women have to. Um, but it sounds like you guys have a good handle on that. Yeah. I mean, part of that handle is also just being flexible, knowing that whatever handle I have on it today, tomorrow could shift. And it's it's really just about finding what works for my family um, on an ongoing basis, you know. And there may be a time where, you know, Mike and I look at each other and say, we can't we can't do this again. You know, I can't be away from them that long. So I need to change something um, or he needs to change something. So that's a lot of it's just about sort of growing with your circumstances. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. For sharing. I appreciate it. And again, Lauren Hisrick, um, creator, screenwriter, TV producer, and now Witcher on Netflix, which this could be like a 10, 15 year <laughs> thing, right? I mean, this is, this has some legs. Well, there are, there are eight books to adapt. Um, I will, I will adapt them as long as people continue <laughs> watching them. Um, so no, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. We, we just had season two picked up, which is exciting. Netflix rarely picks up a season before it's aired. They have great faith in the project and, wow. and faith in the talent. Um, and so uh, I will, I will take that and run with it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And we wish you all the best of luck. Perfect. Thank you for having me in. This was Thank really you for fun. being here. Yeah. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening. See, moms, it doesn't matter what you do for a living in life. Somehow we can still find a way to juggle 
it all. Um, thank you for being here. Have a happy, happy holiday. We hope you'll take MomCast along. You can listen on the road, anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you can review us, more moms will find MomCast. Also, we've got great pictures of Lauren Hisrick um, with Henry Cavill putting her show together, Witcher, on location. There's some really cool shots. You can find those at MomCastShow.com. You can also check them out on Facebook where we put our posts for MomCast. You can go into the subject line and we'll post some of those pictures as well.